0: Welcome to this episode of Come, Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. Uh, this episode, we will discuss section 64 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Let's jump right in. So, uh, Joseph and Sidney are uh, going to be moving to Hiram, as mentioned in the overview section. Sidney is going to continue to write for the prophet in the work of revising the uh, Bible. Um, and what we have as the Joseph Smith translation of things, right? Um. So that's kind of the situation. Um, these, I guess, another thing that's going on. They've been to they've been to Missouri. They've been back. Some people have now been told to go back to Missouri. So some people are starting to pack up and start to head towards Missouri. Some people have been told to remain in Kirtland. And, um, in fact, in this section, uh, verses eighteen to twenty-one, the Lord is going to say, "I need." Kirtland to remain for at least five years here. And why would he do that? Well, he needed a temple. The Lord knew where a temple would be able to be built in that amount of time. The Kirtland Temple is the first temple built. It is where Joseph um, and uh, it's where the Lord visits Joseph and Sidney. And Moses comes and other, other men come to uh, bestow upon Joseph the keys of their dispensation. Um, And so it was a very important aspect of the continuing restoration. At the beginning of the section, the Lord, I mean, tells us that Joseph was human. He says, And the keys of the mysteries of the kingdom shall not be taken from my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., through the means uh, I have appointed while he liveth in as much as he obeyeth my ordinances. So if Joseph obeys me, he's going to have these these keys, right? There are those who have sought occasion against him without cause. Nevertheless, he has sinned. But verily I say unto you, I, the Lord, forgive the sins unto those who confess their sins before me and ask forgiveness uh, who have not sinned unto death. So he's, the Lord says, Joseph is human, he sins, but guess what? I forgive people who sin. And this makes me think of one of my favorite quotes uh that the that repentance is not the Lord's backup plan in case we fail, it is the plan, knowing that we will fail. And he says that, look, yep, Joseph isn't perfect, but he but he repents. And so if Joseph isn't perfect, guess what guys, neither are you. And that's kind of what the Lord is saying here. And so he says, look, I say unto you, ye ought to forgive one another, for he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord. For there remaineth in him the greater sin. I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. But of you it is required to forgive all men. All men. And so, the Lord here r- removes any ambiguity about our responsibility and forgiveness and forgiving others. It's not, hey, forgive people who say sorry to you. Uh, forgive people who feel bad for what they've done forgive the people that you like forgive the people who um, by forgiving them you can gain some advantage some material advantage no, it's all every single one an interesting note here about forgiveness and about um, Joseph being imperfect and what not and people saying, Hey, look, he sinned. The Lord says, Hey, guess what? My disciples in days of old, meaning in the meridian of time, when he was on earth, they sought uh, occasion against one another. This comes from verse eight. Joseph Fielding Smith said, the Lord declared that when he was in his ministry, his disciples saw occasion against one another and failed at times to forgive in their hearts. It was this condition, which prompted Peter to ask the Lord, how many times he should forgive his brother till seven times the Lord answered him and said, not I say not unto these seven times, but until seventy times seven. As the disciples of old brought upon themselves affliction, affliction and, chast- and chastening, so we, when we do not have in our hearts the spirit of forgiveness, bring upon ourselves affliction and chastening from the Lord. Peter's like, hey, look, how many times do I got to forgive this dude over here that you know is Andrew or something, my brother? And the Lord says, all men, seventy times seven, always and forever. That's it. There's no ambiguity here. Uh, Marion D. Hanks said, uh, in in talking about forgiving uh, others, he said, What is our response when we are offended? Misunderstood, unfairly, or unkindly treated or sinned against? Made an offender for word? Falsely accused, passed over, hurt by those we love, or offerings uh, rejected? Do we resent, become bitter, hold a grudge, or do we resolve the problem if we can, Forgive and rid ourselves of the burden. The nature of our response to such situations may well determine the nature and quality of our lives here and eternally. I was—I really like that—that conclusion by Elder Hanks, here, that the, the way that we handle unfairness, the way that we handle being mistreated, is going to greatly determine our lives here and how happy we are. Because look, do other do some people? uh face more unfairness than others? Yes, I mean, go see Elder Renlund's talk from last conference, infuriating unfairness. But mortal life is unfair by its very, like, nature. And so we're all going to face it. We're all going to face unfairness. There are going to be trials and things that happen just because we're mortal. There are going to be trials that happen because other people and their decisions and maybe even accidental, that they didn't mean to hurt us. And sometimes, because they did, we're all going to face that. And we have, a cho- we have choices to make in that situation. How do we react? Do we resent, become bitter, and hold a grudge? Or do we resolve the problem, forgive, and rid ourselves of the burden? Happiness is a choice. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, promised us joy. He said, be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth I unto you, but as I give. Peace. And he told us to be have cheer. He knows the, of, of any living creature to ever walk this earth. He knows of unfairness more than any other. Not just because he is the great Jehovah and knows all, but because he was Jesus Christ, the man, who was mocked and spit upon and scourged, and as we read Isaiah, had the hairs of his beard plucked out and was crucified, though he was sinless and blameless. You want to talk about unfair? He understands unfair. And yet, what did he say? And where did he say this? Where did he say, be of good cheer? In John chapter 16, this is the last night of his mortal life. Knowing exactly what he's about to face. Knowing what he's already faced. He tells them to be of good cheer. He tells us to be of good cheer. As you look at the gospel, these the principles and doctrines of the gospel are connected. They're one great circle, one thing. How do we have that cheer and that peace? Well, one of the ways and a powerful way in which we can accomplish that and achieve that and receive that, I should say, is by choosing to forgive others. I'm going to move on here to verse 23. Now it is called today until the coming of the Son of Man. And verily, it is the day of sacrifice and day for the tithing of my people. For he that is tithed shall not be burned at his coming. So what does that mean? Well, it sounds like tithing is fire insurance, right? (laughs) Dad joke. Boom. Um, But does it mean that if we pay our tithing, that's it? Like, we're good? No. Uh, Elder Roger Clausen, I liked what he said and how he... Broke this down because uh, it's not just like oh you pay your tithing and you're safe from the burning at the end of end of days. No, it's it's a little trickier than that. What does that mean? Does it mean that if a man will not pay his tithing, the Lord will go is going to send a ball of fire down from heaven and burn him up? So that's the other thing is it it's not the opposite either. Like if you don't pay, then you are going to get burned right now. Like no, the Lord does not do that. Uh, The Lord works on natural principles. This is what it means, if I read it correctly. A man who ignores the express commands of the Lord by failing to pay his tithing, it means that the spirit of the Lord will withdraw from him. It means that the power of the priest will will withdraw from that man. If he continues in the spirit of neglect to do his duty, he will drift away into darkness, gradually but surely, until finally, mark you, he will lift up his eyes among the wicked. That is where he'll finally land. And then when the destruction comes and when the burning comes, he will be among the wicked and will be destroyed. While those who observe the law will be found among the righteous and they will be preserved. There is a God in heaven and he, had promised to shield, he has promised to shield them and protect them. I tell you that there is a day of burning, a day of destruction coming upon the wicked. And where will we be? We will be with the wicked. Will we be with the wicked or will we, will we be with the righteous? So it's a, it's about getting off course by the matter of a degree and not, no pun intended here, not like fire and burning degrees, but like geometric degrees Um, and getting off course. And we talk about, the Lord says, tithe or burn, right? He that is tithed shall not be burned. Right. So, what's another, the other scripture that pops out to me about tithing is Malachi chapter three. Um, And it starts by the Lord saying, I have refined them like a refiner of silver, precious metals. And then he goes in and says, Will man rob God? Have you, have we robbed God? Because you haven't tithed, is what the Lord says. And then he goes on and says, Look, the people of the Lord, they say it's in vain to serve me. But at the, in the last days, when I make up my jewels, you'll see whether or not it was in vain, in vain to, to serve me. And these these things, when you read in Malachi, seem almost disconnected, kind of. They, they are like three complete thoughts of like, he refines us, and you can be like, yeah, he refines us through our trials, and then you can come down lower to the next part and be like, Hey, tithing is a good thing. See, the Lord says tithing is a good thing. Then you can talk about, well, we serve God and it's it's worth serving God because we'll get our reward in the end. But this is one thought. This is one thought from the Lord. It's, it's connected. By paying tithing rather than the fire of life. And at the end, in the end day, in the judgment day, rather than that fire consuming us and burning us, what will it do? Refine us. And what will it make us? His jewels. I can't remember which uh, when was this? Last week, the week before, when I talked about uh, different jewels and all the jewels that I could find—you know, rubies, emeralds, diamonds—to make them, how they're made is immense heat and pressure. If we're paying our tithing, it seems like that's one great step that we can make to make sure that that heat and pressure turn us into jewels and refine us rather than destroy us. A final thought from section sixty four. The Lord tells us He wants us to give us to give Him uh, our heart. So, section verse twenty two says this, and um, He says He requires the hearts of the children of men. What does the heart of men mean? There's a few thoughts um, on that that people have had. You know, number one, it's the center of the body. So it's symbolic of uh, the strength of man. Number two, uh, it's the center of the rational, emotional nature. So of our feelings and experiences and our, our emotions, right? And number three, uh, it's kind of the symbol of our of our will. Uh, where our heart is is where where we'll put our energy and our our willpower, right? Well, uh, well, this is interesting to me because I've mentioned I think in the past. The Hebrew word uh, Lev or Levav, um, it means heart, but it also means will and emotions. This one word means that. And so I think when we when we read, you know, our heart, mind, and uh, the Lord asks us for all of these things, my um, thought is, at least in the Old Testament, in in Hebrew, it's because the, the Lord was using one word. He was using Levav or, uh, and It's getting translated into English, into all of these concepts, because that's what it represents. He wants our heart and our will and our emotions. He wants us. He wants all of us. And uh, verse 34 to 36, I was going to have that be my last thought, but this kind of led me into this, that um, he says, if you are rebellious, you're not going to, you're not part of Ephraim. Well, does that make sense? Like if... If You're either a descendant or posterity or from Ephraim, or you're not. How could you be from Ephraim and then rebel and then not be from Ephraim? Well, Paul, in Romans chapter 2, said, No, it's possible to make circumcision uncircumcision. Well, if you're circumcised, which is was part of the law of Moses, and the Jews would, were, were practicing as a, as a sign of the their uh, covenant... How could you go from circumcision to uncircumcision? Well, it's because it's not about that. It's about your will. It's about your heart. Uh, Later uh, in the same chapter, Paul says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is one outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and not of the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. It's about our inner action, our, our inner commitment not about the outward thing it's not about saying i'm part of i was given the house of ephraim No, being a tribe and uh, of the tribe of ephraim being descended from ephraim means something it means that you live the gospel it means that you've allowed yourself to be gathered president nelson has told us to gather israel and allow ourselves to be gathered allow let god prevail in our life and that's a constant that's an everyday decision to be gathered So when we talk about gathering Israel and building Zion, where does it start? Your own left, Your own heart. Start there every day. And then look outward and gather Israel around you. But if you're not gathered, you can't gather. But you have to allow yourself to be gathered every day, every day, every day. And weary not in well-doing, for you are laying the foundation of a great work, and out of small things proceedeth that which is great by getting up every day, getting on your knees and praying to start your day, studying your scriptures every day, every day, every day, day, because you're laying the work, you're laying the foundation of a great work. Thanks for joining me in this episode. Hope you join me in the next episode as we discuss section 65. Talk soon.